Snowing outside, huh? At least we're alive to see it, right? I think, I think one thing we've got to start, stop doing immediately is complaining. God does not like complaining. Called it murmuring in the Old Testament. Always have something negative to say. Sometimes you want to duck people because you know they're just about to give it to you. You ask them how their day is going, and boy, you might, you might as well grab a, ch- a chair and order a pizza. You're about to hear it. Is God worthy of praise? Is God good all the time? Even we, when we don't feel good, is God good? Amen. He is. If we want revival, we gotta, we got to start, we got to change our words. Stop walking around talking about how tired and sick you are. You want revival? Change your words. Stop talking about how bad the country is and how the country is going down. You want to see something revived? Change your words. Speak life. What's revival? Revival is the presence of life, right? So we've got to change our words. Stop saying that your uncle will be an alcoholic forever. Stop saying that your children, I don't know if they ever will serve God. The Bible says that we're snared by the words of our mouth. The word of God says that our, in our tongue, in our mouth, is the power of life and death. So one of the first things we need to begin to do, and this is a bonus step to the revival, is speak life. Can you say speak life? Don't complain. Don't murmur. Don't say, oh, this old arthritis is going to get the best of me today. Why are you speaking that over yourself? One of the key steps to revival is to stop speaking death. Stop speaking death over yourself, over your finances. Oh, just got paid, but I'm going to be broke again. Look at all these bills. You're going to just take all my money. Why are you speaking all these things? If you want to see revival, it starts with your own tongue sometime. See, see, here's the thing. What's controlling your tongue, fear or faith? If fear is controlling your tongue, then you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna see what you're fearing. Oh, oh, I don't, this probably isn't going to be a good week, or I'm just this, or I'm just, you don't speak that kind of stuff. Revival can start with your tongue as well, amen? So two weeks ago, we began this series, and just last week, we started the steps of revival, okay? The first step that we learned was, uh, number one, we've got to recognize the royal source of love, goodness, kindness, and power. So we've got to put Jesus Christ back as King and Lord of our lives. That's, that's where revival starts. So it's not about anything in this world. It's not about how much you get paid. It's not about how you feel. It's not about any kind of outside sources. You got to make Jesus King again. That's the first step of revival. Lord, I bless you. I praise you. I magnify you. I thank you for who you are in my life. And we've been using Mephibosheth and his story to go through these 10 steps of revival. So in step one, we saw that uh, Mephibosheth was the grandson of King Saul, Israel's first king. He was the son of Jonathan, David's best friend. So David came looking for Jonathan and restored him back to a royal position so that he could eat at his table. Last week, we began step two as well, and this was really good. We started talking about covenant and the promises of God and how if we don't know the promises of God, we can't claim the promises of God. I promise you this. Every time you read your Bible, you're going to see something new. Even if it's Psalms 23, even if it's John chapter 3, every time you read, okay, let me, let me rephrase that. Every time you study your Bible, you're going to see something new. Because it's not just good enough to read the word, you've got to study the word, all right? You've got to slow down. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. So don't tell me, oh, pastor, I read 40 chapters today. Okay, what'd you get out of it? Um, God's good? Yeah, that's true. Slow down. Can you say slow down? When you're studying the word, it's okay if you just read two chapters. Because you've slowed down, you took your time, you said, Lord, would you help me to understand what I am reading? Holy Spirit, make this alive to me, bring me this true. So we studied the covenant promises last week too. So that's a step to revival. 
the covenant, a promised commitment to the well-being of another. So God has made a covenant with us. So every time you see uh, 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 it rain and it storm, and then there's this beautiful thing that shows up in the sky. What is that thing called? A rainbow. How supernatural is a rainbow? Just wow, that is supernatural. And the Bible tells us that God sent the rainbow as a promise to us to never again destroy the world by water, right? So his promises show up in the sky. So God is a covenant-keeping God, and so we must be reminded of his promises so that we know that he is committed to doing everything he said that he would. All right, now we're going to step three of revival. And step three of revival is this, okay? There had to have been some kind of separation, whether real or perceived, from the abundance of life caused by the thief Satan. So what am I talking about? The reason we need to be revived is because the thief got in our life somewhere. And he began to steal, to kill, and to destroy and we turned our back on God, or we lost sight of God, and darkness came, and we begin to live in a way in which God has not ordained us to live. And one of the main ways that God has not ordained us to live is by fear. This coronavirus, we know it's satanic, because attached to it has been a great spirit of fear. And if we're not careful, it can still be affecting you. I think we should cancel it now. Pray this with me. Lord, I come to you now surrendering to you any fear that this virus has caused me. For you have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I declare... I will live and not die. I will live every day you've promised me. And this virus will not steal, will not kill, will not destroy me or my family. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God some praise. Listen, there's people out there who are afraid, but they're calling it being cautious. And they're calling it being careful. And they're calling it being wise. Now listen, we've never closed the whole time of the virus, never closed once, and God's been good and faithful to us. Now, listen, say this this with me. I have have wisdom. wisdom. Okay. Wisdom says don't go around licking doorbells and doorknobs and stuff like that. Wisdom says wash your hands good, okay? Wisdom says cover your cough. Wisdom says, wisdom's been around for, viruses and sickness have been around for thousands of years. But there's been wisdom with them. Now, we're not against science, and we're not against being careful, but we are against the spirit of fear, right? And we're not going to live by fear. We're going to do everything the Holy Spirit has empowered us to do because the word of God says that he's given us all power over the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt us. Now, some of you might say, well, I know some Christians that have died from the virus. I got to tell you something. We all die. We all die. We're going to die, okay, unless the Lord comes back first. So all of us are going to need a cause of death. So, so it's not the virus. The, the virus is just the attached cause of death. Our, our days were numbered regardless. God knew when we were going to leave here regardless. So he, the virus can't snatch anybody. See, our, our bound has been set and no man can pass. So when it's time for you to go, you're going to go. So there's nothing that you can do. You can eat carrots and celery and do all the, all the stuff you think you're going to do. But when it's time, and there's nothing wrong with those foods either. I'm just saying, okay? But when it's time for you to go, we're going to go. So we might as well live, right? We might as well trust the Lord, right? 
We might as well have power and love and a sound mind, okay? Not being foolish, but being faithful. There's a huge difference. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to trust that God's going to keep me. I don't know how we got there. Let's get back to where we were, all right? So we were talking about um, the next step. Okay, the next step of revival is that separation, whether real or perceived from the abundance of life caused by the thief Satan. So something has happened to us. If you don't pray like you used to, if you don't read the word like you used to, if you don't worship like you used to, if you don't uh, live by faith like you used to, something happened. Something has, that just doesn't go away. So something has happened because Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So he doesn't just walk away. So what happens? The thief weasels in and it is his desire to separate us from our faith. It is Satan's desire to separate us from our faith. Let's go to Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 31. You've got to make Jesus Christ your first love. We've got to make Jesus Christ our first love again. Religion is not love. Relationship is love. I'll say it again. Religion is not love because wicked men can be religious. But wicked men cannot, man, this is good. Wicked men cannot have a loving relationship with God. They can have religion. They can put on a suit, come to church, say praise the Lord, give money, uh, donate time at the homeless shelter, do all those things. But they cannot have a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So don't ever try to gain intimacy through religion. Intimacy comes only through relationship. And we've got to learn how to spend time with the Lord. We've got to shut off the TV. We've got to put down our phone. I've, I've, had to, I've deleted apps so many times that I, I keep, keep adding them again, but I'm good right now. I deleted the thieves. I've got some apps on my phone that are thieves, and they steal my time. And I catch myself in them all the time, laughing, playing, and they're stealing my time. And what we forget is time is precious and it is running out. There's only so much of it. So Instagram doesn't deserve a whole lot of my time. Or uh, what's the other? Well, there's a lot of them out there. They don't deserve a lot of my time because this is time where I could have been getting to know God better and love God better and serve God and spend time with him. Listen, you've got to grow the relationship with God, and it's a sacrifice, as she said a little bit ago. Sometimes it's a sacrifice of time. We've got so much time. And we, can, we only have so much to give to so many people, but may the Lord get his due and just amount. So Satan desires to disconnect us from our faith. Let's go to Luke 22, 31 through 32. It says this, Simon, and this is Jesus talking to his disciple named Simon, okay? But Simon is dead now, but you're alive. And his word never dies. His word is always good, always true, never fails. So Jesus has a word for you today, just as he had a word for Simon. So listen to what he said to Simon. Simon, Simon, and you can put your name there. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. So that means to tear apart, to shred up, okay? But I, this is Jesus talking, have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. That your faith should not fail. So here, here's the word for you today. Satan desires to destroy each and every one of us. But the prayer that Jesus is praying right now at the right hand of the Father, he's interceding on our behalf. So one of the prayers that he prays for you is this, Father, may their faith not fail. Say this with me, Lord, I thank you for a living and active faith present in my life. I will walk by faith and not by sight. 
In Jesus' name, name. amen. See, faith, faith, oh my goodness. How important is our faith? Your faith has got you this far. Some of you shouldn't even be sitting in this room right now. Had it not been for the faith that God gave you and you used it, you wouldn't be here right now. And aren't you so excited that all you really need is faith the size of a grain of mustard seed? See, some of us are praying for more faith. You don't need more faith if that much can move a mountain. You just need to use what you've got. So the devil tries to separate you from your faith. He tries to get you to live by your own means, by your own mind, by your own strength. And so you can say, look what I have done. That's a dangerous place to be. Everything I've got that's good, I've got by faith. Everything I've got that wasn't good, I got by my own means. We've got to live by faith. So Jesus gave Simon the warning that the devil desired to tear him apart. But he said, Simon, I'm praying for you that your faith does not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. So one sure sign that we need revival is our denial of Jesus. It's not that we say we don't know him. Rather, we deny doing the things that grow the relationship. Man, this hit me hard. So, Jesus told Peter, by the time the cock crows three times, by the time the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And Peter said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. And then the cock crow almost did a sound effect, but I'm going to stop the sound effect. All right. He almost, the, the animal sounded, okay. And then Peter wept bitterly like, oh, man, I denied him three times. The sure sign that we need revival is we deny Jesus. Not that we go around saying Jesus doesn't exist, but we live like it. We deny him by not praying and spending time with him. We deny him by not acknowledging him and doing everything we desire to do. We deny him by entertaining. I, I tell you what, man, entertainment is probably one of the primary things that begin to bring this country down. When the TV's got in the home and the internet got in the home, like all these alternatives got in the home, the, the family time just, just shrunk down. Remember, they used to play, families used to play games together and stuff like that, eat at the same table. Remember that? Remember those days you used to eat with your family and stuff? All right. Family time. But here comes entertainment, Okay to divide the family. So what we need to remember is this, and, and, and I need to do it myself. I think, church, what we need to do sometimes is cut off everything. Your, your kids are going to throw a fit. You might throw a fit, too. And say, Lord, we're going to dedicate time to you. Can you say time? Time is a sacrifice. But it is, a, it is a sacrifice that the Lord is worthy of, and so we need to give him that time. Because the, one of the ways that we deny Jesus is we deny spending time with him, and that's what grows the relationship. Wouldn't it be awkward if, if uh, a, a young man was courting a young lady, and he asked her out, say, hey, would you like to spend some time together? And she says, yeah, okay, yeah, I would love that. And he said, okay, and then just walked away. Never made arrangements, never called, happened to see her at the grocery store one day. Oh, hey, how you been? How are you? Good? Okay, well, take care, and then just walk away. Well, I, th I thought you wanted to spend time with me. Can you say this with me? I must, I must spend, time spend time with Jesus. With Jesus. So, see, religion says you don't have to. Religion says, just go to church and, you know, just this, just that. No, we've got to give our hearts to God and say, Lord, what do you desire from me? What's the sacrifice that you desire for me to make to you uh, this morning and today as well? So the first step of uh, we see here after Peter had uh, denied Jesus, it says that uh, at the end of that verse, it says, so when you have repented, 
So if we want to be revived, we've got to understand that we haven't been spending enough time with the vine because we're the branch and he desires that we grow much fruit. The first thing we all need to do is repent. Because here's what Jesus told them. So when you have repented and turned to me again, then strengthen your brothers. We must repent for just our lack of total devotion and love to God. Because, listen, if we're just religious, then just reading a Bible verse a day or just saying grace or praying before bed and things like that, that satisfies our religion, but not our relationship with him. We've got to grow the relationship with him, and it's through acts of love that we do that. When we fail to live by faith, our spiritual life diminishes. What began in faith must remain in faith as well. So we need to all ask our question, ourselves a question this morning and say, how is my spiritual life? How is my spiritual life? Am I strong in faith? Am I uh, spending time with God in prayer? And, and does it bother me to do it? Do, do I put it off to the last thing I do? Is it a struggle for me to pray? Is it a struggle for me to read the word? Is it a struggle for me to fellowship with other believers? And that should tell us right there that our spiritual life is weakening and diminishing. Listen, your soul lives forever. Your body doesn't. But it, it seems to me that our body gets all the attention, doesn't it? Whatever we want to eat, wherever we want to go, whatever we want to watch, we do for the dying part of us. But the soul lives forever. So we need to begin to practice greater care toward our spirit man and our soul as well. How does Satan separate us? By persuading us to disconnect ourselves from faith. So one key element for revival is we must ask ourselves, are we living by faith? Because sometimes we stop. You didn't have a house. You live by faith. You got the house. You stop. You didn't have a job. You lived by faith. You got the job. You stopped. You didn't have a spouse. You lived by faith. Got the spouse. You stopped. So it seems to me that sometimes the only reason we live by faith is to get stuff. But faith, really, we're supposed to live by so that we can stay in constant fellowship and communion with the Lord. Because the just shall live by faith. See, we try to get by faith, but we're supposed to live by faith. And have we stopped living by faith? And the way that we challenge ourselves is say, Lord, what do you desire that my faith do? Lord, what do you have need of? How may I serve you? Lord, who's in need around me? And you see the needs of people around you, and you say, oh, their need is too great for, for me to do, but then you forgot about faith. Church, have we forgotten about faith? Are we living by faith in such a way that God can ask us to do anything and we just believe and say, Lord, I trust you? Some of us, when you stop living by faith, you begin to accept what the doctor said and you just prepare, you, you make out your will and you get ready to die. Some of us, when you refuse to live by faith, you receive what man is saying to you and you say, okay, that is the way it is. Now, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world and people are uh, being threatened with losing their jobs and things like that. But no, no, slow down. Slow down. Don't listen to the noise of the world. This is when your faith must kick in. This, this is when you, you know you need revival is when you hear bad news and you just crumble. You hear bad news and you feel like the whole world's against you and you've got a pity party and you're saying, okay, whatever they're saying to me is going to happen because they're my bosses, they're my employer, this is the government. No. When our faith is small, we make men and what they say bigger than God. So the, one of the keys to revival is making sure that your faith is active. We've got to pull out those things that are damning up our faith because it is the devil's desire to separate you from your faith and to get you living by sight and what you see. God desires that we live by faith. 
1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 say this, stay alert. That's one of our problems right there. We get so comfortable with where we are, but the Bible tells us that we need to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. The devil is real. Do you know that? He's real and demons are real and they're here on this earth and we're not supposed to be afraid of them. We've got command over them, but the Bible does tell us to be alert. Be alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So that's his whole job, okay? He's not, he's not looking uh, to, to, to do anything else except steal kill, and destroy, and he hates us especially because we're the children of God. So we've got to be alert. Can you say be alert? alert. We're not afraid, but we are alert. We know that the devil's out there and he wants to tear us apart and tear our families apart. So then what are we supposed to do? Verse 9 says this, and, and this makes total sense. This makes total sense why the devil wants to separate you from your faith. Listen to this. Stand firm against him. How will we do that? And be strong in your what? Faith. So the only way we can stand firm against the devil is to be strong in faith. Now does it make sense why he doesn't want you in faith? Because if he can get you in fear, he can tear you apart. Because that's why the Lord has told us, I have not given you the spirit of fear. But of power, why do I need power? Because you need to be alert and stand firm. A sound mind, I've given you love, all these things so that you might stand firm against the enemy. I think it's time, as this revival happens in our lives, it's time for us to take back some of the territory and some of the things that the enemy has taken from us by fear. Some of you are at jobs that God wants you at a different job, but you've got fear associated with it. You say, well, you know what? This job here requires a college degree, and I don't have a college degree, so I'm I'm afraid to apply. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He separates you from your faith with fear so you stay where you are and not go where God is requiring you to go. I wonder what it takes to get us from here to here in God. It takes faith. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's one thing for me to be all loud and talk to you about faith today, but it's another thing for you to exercise it. Listen, listen. I can't, I can't just continue to teach and teach and teach about faith. At some point, you've got to say, I get it. That's it. I am fed up with living where I'm living. I am fed up with my unsaved family members. I am fed up with arthritis. I am fed up with the city being in the condition that it's in. I'm going to stand up in faith and stand my ground. That's what God is desiring for his people. We must live by faith. That means it's always constant. It's always active. It's always powerful. And why does it need to be? Because we have to be sober and alert. The enemy is walking around seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may devour. So who is the enemy allowed to devour? Who may he overcome? Those who are not living by faith. Those who are living in fear. This is how we resist the enemy, by being strong in our faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. This is one of the reasons you need to get in your Bibles and be reminded of what true faith looks like. Faith is the supernatural ability to believe God's word. I'll say it again. Faith is the supernatural ability to believe God's word, to say, Lord, I know that you are not a liar and everything that you say will come to pass and I trust you. Faith is what's keeping me alive right now. The doctors told me 10 years ago I was dying and would die without a kidney transplant. They hooked me up to the machine. I began to cry. I began to weep because in that moment while I was doing dialysis, fear was overtaking me. 
and when fear overtakes you, death can walk in. That's why you must stand firm in your faith. But the enemy was trying to separate me from my faith. Look at you. You're dying and your wife is pregnant. You may not, never see your son again. Why did this happen to you? If God is so good, what did you do? This must be punishment. The devil is ferocious in his lies. He tries to get you to, to flush your faith down the toilet and not believe God anymore so he can devour you. When you have faith, God stands in front of you and the enemy cannot get to you because your trust is in the Lord. But when you are afraid, you move out of position. You move from the covering of, your, of, of the word. You move from the covering of your God. So they rolled me back down to my hospital room. And the Lord finally spoke to me. And he says to me, my grace is sufficient for you. He spoke to me. You need to hear God's voice. I don't know how you live without it. The one, one way you develop, you say, well, pastor, how do you know that God is speaking to you? Read your Bible. In your Bible, you begin to hear the voice of God and the character of God. You begin to identify with the way that he moves on behalf of other people. And you say that the thing that really excites me about the Bible is this, that God is still alive and God is still good, but all those people are dead. And God needs to show his favor to somebody. God still needs to prove his mightiness to someone. I don't think mightiness is the word, but just keep rolling with me. And I'm alive. I'm here right now. You see, Daniel had his lions, but Daniel is gone. But Damien is here, and I've got some lions too. You are here. Listen, there's some fiery furnaces out there right now. And the, the Hebrew boys are dead and gone, but you are here and they, had, they weren't special. They just believed God. That's what you have to remember to do. If you want revival, you've got to dust, dust your faith off and say, God, faith has brought me this far, but I'm not satisfied. Lift your hands today. Say this with me. Lord, I'm not satisfied where faith has brought me so far. I'm willing to believe that there is more. I am willing to believe that I can be revived to live the purpose which you sent me for. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God some praise this morning. It's time to get in faith again. COVID came and knocked us down. It's time to get up again. COVID's not stronger than God. Time to get up again. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God, right? It's time to get up again. They're saying that you'll lose your job if you don't do this or you don't do that. But listen, say this with me, Jehovah Jireh. That's all you need to say as it relates to how you get money in your pocket and get your bills paid. It's not the hospital that's paying your bills. It's not this one or that one. They are just a resource in which God used. Now remember this, God sent Elijah to a brook and a raven fed him at the brook, but eventually the raven did not come back and the, river, the stream dried up and then God sent him somewhere else, right? So if your job shuts down, you just need to know that Jehovah Jireh is your provider and he is the one that will sustain you. It's not the employer that feeds you. You got to get, get that faith back. Faith will make you bold. See, as long as you're in fear, they can make you do whatever they want you to do because you're in fear. It's time to get back in faith and say, you know what? I don't care what they say. I don't care what they, what they threaten me with. I choose to live by faith. We don't visit faith. We don't pick up faith just when we need it. The Bible says that we must live by faith. Amen? Amen. So, uh, the fourth step of revival, and this will be our last step this morning. The fourth step of revival is the reunion between the victim and the victor. Praise God. Once we do those other three steps, okay, so the first step we learned was 
that we're going to make Jesus king again. We're going to say, okay, Lord, I'm coming back to you as my source of life. You are who you say you are. Step two, we remember the covenant that he promised to be with us and never forsake us. Step three, we, we realize that there was a separation that happened. Something happened that caused us not to live by the same level of faith that we used to. Now listen, the vast majority of you in, in, in here are saved, and I praise God that you're saved, but that's not all your faith was for. It took faith to get saved, but it takes faith to live saved as well, okay? So we must begin to say, Lord, I desire to live by faith at a greater level. So we learn in step three that the enemy comes in to steal, to kill, and destroy, and to separate us from the source of life. But now that we know what the enemy is up to, we can reject his work, and we can repent and say, Lord, I'm coming back to you. And step four brings us to the sweet reunion between the victim and the victor. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. This is the reunion. So we're getting closer to that, that final step of being revived, but we have to take these steps first. And basically, a lot of these are steps of repentance, steps of uh, recommitting our lives to God so that he might be our true vine again, okay? So that we can have those, the signs of life that we desire. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. This was the reunion between Mephibosheth and King David. And we're going to have a similar reunion between us and God as we process through this revival. It says this, Then the king asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's, Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makor, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. So the, the, what I'm about to read you is uh, the source is from uh, gotquestions.org, and it talks about Lodabar. Can you say Lodabar? So Mephibosheth was a prince, okay? But he had been crippled. He had been separated from the royal family. And now he was living in a place called Lodabar, all right? And we're going to talk about that and what it looks like spiritually for us because some of us are in need of revival because we've been living in Lodabar. We've been living in a place. I know you say, but no, I live in Lima. I'm talking about spiritually. We've been living in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar is a town only mentioned a few times in Scripture. If it is, as many scholars assume, the same town as Debir, mentioned several times in the book of Joshua, we find that it was one of the cities of Canaan that Joshua destroyed. Debir, whose name means pasture or sheepfold, was located near the valley of Accord. So that's good. So the word Lodabar, they believe, uh, came about because of a, of a city named Debir. And that town meant there was pasture there, and there were sheepfold there. So whatever, wherever there were sheep, there was a shepherd, okay? And whatever there is pasture, there was food, okay? So the beer represented a place where there was life, all right? So the, something had to have happened to, celebrate, to, to, to separate them from this life. So it was on the northern boundary of Judah, somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. The exact location of the town is impossible to ascertain. If Lodabar is the same town as Debir, somewhere in its history, the name was changed to Lodabar. Debar normally means word or thing. What does Debar mean? Word or thing. The prefix lo is a negator. Thus, the term Lodabar would mean no word or no thing. So Debar, if you don't have the lo on it, it would mean a positive place. It would mean green pasture. It would mean sheepfold. But if you put that low on the front of it, it negates that and flips it around, and now it's no pasture and no sheepfold. So that's what Lodabar means. So that's where Mephibosheth was living now. He used to live in a palace. So we would say the palace would represent the bar. There's 
I don't want to talk about food because I'm hungry. But there's lots of good things there. He was not separated from the sheepfold when he was in the bar. But now he's, he's been brought to a place called Lodabar. And he's living life not as a prince, but as a dead dog. Because that's how he described himself when he met David. What do you want to do with such a dead dog as I? What kind of talk is that? Why would you ever talk about yourself like that? It must mean that you've been living in a place with no word. You've been living in a place with no life. You must be in need of revival. So in order to experience revival, we need to get the word back. Because Lodabar means no word or no pasture. All right? So again, we see here that he lived in a town that represented a place with no word, no fruit, no pasture. So again, where do you live spiritually? Where's your spirit live? Does your spirit live in a place where there is no word? I'm not talking about the church because this is what we know there's word here. We, we come to do this. I'm talking about the rest of the week. Where does your spirit man live the rest of the week? Is it in Lodabar? There's no word there. There's no truth there. There's no shepherd there. But there is a television there, and there are magazines there, and there is a cell phone there to play games on. Where are we spiritually? The reason we need the revival is we need to say, where does my spirit man live? Is my spirit man living in Lodabar most of the week, but on Sunday mornings we come to Debar? That didn't sound right. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. This is the place where there is life and word and you, you, you enjoy coming here and there's fellowship. But I'm, I'm afraid to say that if this is all you get in a week, your spirit man can't survive off this. You can't live. How foolish would it have been for Mephibosheth to say, okay, because he had servants now. For him to say, okay, servants, the king has said, I'm to eat at his table, but I only want to go and live at, with the king on Sunday. All throughout the rest of the week, I'm going to go back to Lodabar and live there where there is no pasture and there is no word. But church, I'm afraid if we're just religious, that's what we do. We, we come to church, all right, because there's word here and it satisfies our small appetite for the word. But the, I'm, I'm talking about the rest of the week. Okay, because from what we have gathered before, revival was a place that happened at the church. And I'm here to say, no, it doesn't. Revival is a thing that happens in your spirit between you and God. And you've got to keep that thing going all week long. So I'm, I'm telling you, and I'm telling you to pray for me. Would you pray for your pastor that I stay out of Lodabar during the week? And I'm going to pray for you that you stay out of Lodabar during the week. Because in Lodabar, there's no word there. There is no goodness there. There is no pasture there. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. And Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Jesus told them, no, he told the devil this, because the devil came to him to try to sift him like wheat during the temptation. But he said this to him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So when we position ourselves to hear the word and to read the word and to pray, that is how you take your spirit, spirit man to the bar. Not low the bar, but the bar. The bar is a place where there's green pastures, where the shepherd is there, where all the other sheep are there, where nutrients are there, where his defense is there. The shepherd's looking out for the wolf, all right, for the, for the enemy. The protection is there in the bar. But if you walk away from the bar and take your spirit to Lodabar, you see, Lodabar is where we are entertained. Can we just keep it real? Lodabar is entertaining. Man, they got Netflix there, and they got uh, all the fun apps we use on our phone. They got all the ball games are at our disposal. And I'm not saying that these things are sins necessarily. I'm just saying <laughs> it's not the bar. It's not green pasture. 
You can't live off of it. It's entertaining, but you can't live off of it. Every single one of you here with good sense wants to go to heaven. And the only way we get to heaven is through the door. And the door is Jesus Christ. And you don't religiously just get to go up to the door and walk through the door. you got to know the door. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So that, that position of Debar should be all week long, and we should crave his presence because our spirit man is dying in Lodabar. As long as your spirit man is in Lodabar, it's dying because it's not getting the word because there's no word there. Church, I'm, I'm, I'm desiring that God would help us fall more in love with the Bible, not as a religious book, but as a place and a source of truth and life. I promise you, you will never regret picking up that Bible and reading it, allowing the Word of God to minister to you. And that reminds me, I want to share one scripture with you before you leave here today. It's Psalms chapter 19, verses 7 through 14. Listen to this. This is when we go to the bar, when we go to where there is word, when we, when we delve into the word of God, when we spend time with the word, okay? With the television off, in a quiet space, spending time with the Lord, what does the Bible do for us? What is this book? Listen to this. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. <gasps> Aren't we talking about revival? You want personal revival? Open that Bible. Revival is right here. These are the words of life. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The reason we don't have faith, the reason we don't pray like we used to, the reason we don't feel strong in the Lord, I guarantee you is because we're not bringing our spirit man to the book, to the word of God. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. We'll watch Fox. We'll watch CNN. I don't care which one you like. None of them are all the way trustworthy. But if you get in the word, trustworthy. This is good news, good information, and the sources are backed by God himself. Verse 8, the commandments of the Lord are right. What are they? They're right bringing joy to the heart. You want a revival of joy? Get in the Word of God. Listen, the part of you that wants to be entertained thinks the Bible's boring. This isn't a book you go to for that part of yourself. That's your carnal self. Your carnal self wants to watch a movie. Your carnal self wants to watch a game. Your carnal self will never be satisfied with this book and as long as you let the carnal self control you, you set yourself up for destruction by the enemy because this is your source of faith and truth. So if you want more joy, you got to get in the Bible. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear. So we say, well, I don't read the Bible because I don't understand it. The Holy Spirit will help you understand it. And the word tells us right here, the commandments of the Lord are clear giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant. Remember we said we got to be alert? Well, how do we stay alert? getting in the word. They are warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. So even blessings come from reading the word and obeying the scripture. You'll have a blessed life. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of sin. You see, when you read the Bible, it pushes righteousness into you and sin out of you. When you read the Bible, it pushes truth into you and lies out of you, okay? That's why the enemy doesn't want us in the Bible, because we'll know what he's up to and he won't be able to do it. Finally, verse 14 says this. Say this with me. May the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That scripture to me is, it makes me think about something. So we've got a television right there. And what if we had the technology to say, okay, um, come here, please. What if we had the technology and I had a device, okay, and I'll stand behind you. We had technology and we had a device that if I put this device on his head, we could see all his thoughts on the television right now. A lot of you would run. <laughs> you can run now too. The Bible says this, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. So that lets me know that our thoughts appear before God. Our thoughts appear before God. Well, how will we ever keep them pure? The Bible. The Bible will guard our heart and guide our thoughts as well so that they might be pleasing to you. How many of you have a physical Bible? And, and I, I, I'm not trying to be old school or legalistic or anything, but how many of you have a physical Bible with pages at home? Okay. Can you guys read that this week? I know you got it on your iPad. I know you got it on your, on your, on your phone and all that, but that can be such a distraction sometimes. And there's not just good thing on, on that phone, right? So why don't we put that down for this week and pick up that old school Bible, all right? Ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, help me find my Bible. I'm just messing with you. I hope you know where it is, all right? Would you please, the pages and the, just get that book out and, and just begin to read it again. And, and just, turn, just turning the pages is just something different about turning pages and holding that powerful book in your hand. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I've given them your word. Steps to revival. Lord, I'm just praying for just a dynamic conclusion of this series where we find ourselves more alive than we've ever been before. Not religiously alive. Not going through the motions, God but alive in a way as the word promised. Because the word says, as Jesus was in this world, so are we. That's what we're looking for, God. We're looking to have the Son of God's Spirit living on the inside of us and us be out of the way. So help us this week, God, to pick up our crosses and deny ourselves and follow after you. Help us to pick up our Bibles, God, and be led by you where to read whether it be John or Acts or Psalms or Esther, wherever you would have us go, God, would you guide these people to read your word where you want them to read it? There's no life outside of the Bible. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We pray, Lord, that you would begin to diminish our love for this world so that we could have a greater love for you and we might come alive spiritually in Jesus' name. Amen.